Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Welcome back to the Blue Stable Podcast, guys. The official Colts podcast of Fansided. Shout out Fansided with you. I am Michael Peavy, as always, your host. Joined by me, as always, somebody who wanted to grace us with his presence once again, Rashad McGinnis. Destin Adam joined the new Hollywood boys of Indianapolis. You know, Rashad, I hear uh, all these new moves, all these breaking news. I hear you've moved into a gated community with, you know, Drew Brees and Cam Jordan, man. Like you even got you, you and Cam Jordan share the same uh, landscaper. Is that true? None of this is true. I refute all of the comments being made by Michael and Destin. Did I say that right? Did I say that you right, said, Mr. Adams? You, you, said, you said my name right. Okay. I'm right. Just making sure, you know. Um, but Man, I'm happy to be back, man. I was gone last week. I missed uh, Zach. I missed Zach, a good friend of mine. And uh, I had to apologize to him personally because I wanted to be a part of that show. But I'm happy to be back because now we have a guest that's better than Zach. Don't tell Zach I said that, by the way. There you go. Okay. Hey. I promise you, Zach did, is not listening right now. <laughs> oh, wow. Uh, Destin, you, Mr. Hollywood, I hear you moved into Chris Ballard's neighborhood. That um, is not something I'll refute um, just so people think it, I guess. But uh, no, that's not the case. Me, me and Rashad have probably been on the phone these past couple of weeks just talking to each other about what we're hearing and trying to confirm mm-hmm. here and there. Um, it's like me and Rashad live next to each other at this point. Uh, we, we just have been talking, trying to get as much stuff uh, to Colts Nation as we can. Um, but it's always good to be talking with my boys and getting back on here and talking Colts football. Guys, and we do. Rashad mentioned it earlier. We have a special guest here on the show, Kent Lee Platty, joining us at Math Bomb, the creator of the RAS. He is, he's just perfect. Kent, come up to the show. Introduce yourself, man. Thanks, man. It's great to be on. Yeah, it's it's a lot of fun. We just finished up the combine, and we're the pro day circuit already started. Miami of Ohio had their pro day circuit today, so we did get some numbers on Sterling Weatherford. I'm excited for the whole season leading up to the draft. 
I feel like we, we left out a really important part here is that Kent has a top five mustache on Twitter. Um, if, you're, if you're listening to this on a podcast, you're not being graced with it. Uh, you might have to go switch over to YouTube just to see that real quick. Um, but it's always great to have you, Kent. Um, really excited to hear a little bit more about the RIS um, system a little bit. I, I've pr- pretty much just fangirled over it for the last few years. Um, just love the tool. Just love what it's been able to add to the draft process and to my own scouting and so many others. Um, but super excited to have you on. I'm glad to be on, man. So, so you're talking so far. You're talking about the mustache. Are we not going to talk about this amazing hat that compliments it? Well, I, I was going to leave that as a surprise that they'd also see when they got now on this YouTube. This is like Sherlock Holmes right here. <laughs> Sherlock Holmes not, on the blue stable. You guys can don't compliment my beard that way. I'm getting awfully jealous of the attention. It's a good. Say. It's a great beard, man. I don't even know why you were you were saying earlier. You thought you'd, you'd like to try to grow a mustache like this. I think you could more than pull this off, man. It would. It oh, would thank be you, fantastic. thank you, Kent. You know what? Rashad, Bring that man back next episode, man. I like Rashad, him a lot more than my co-host. Rashad, <laughs> I'm gonna be honest with you. You couldn't rock the same mustache as well as him. Uh, I'm just, I'm, I'm just messing. Wow. I'm just messing. I'm just messing. I definitely couldn't grow a beard like Rashad has. But uh, I remember one of my former bosses had that exact mustache, and dude, I wanted to slap the hell out of him every time I saw it, dude. It was just, but Kent, Kent wears it a lot better. This guy, was, you know, this is not, you know, days of our lives podcast, guys. Let's get into what we were supposed to be doing. Kent, talk about the RAS and what it, how it came to be. Yeah, I started RAS all the way back in 2013. It might have been late 2012, but I'm pretty sure it was early 2013. And the idea was just to create something that would be a little bit more, uh, a little bit easier for fans to understand, to help contextualize all these testing metrics that we get every year. You know, we always had those buzzwords about, oh, this player is quick, but not fast. This guy's explosive. And, you know, those those don't mean anything unless you have a little bit of context behind them. So I developed a way to look at those numbers in a way that's a little bit more meaningful, puts everything on a zero to 10 scale. So when a wide receiver runs a four, five, two, it's not going to be the same score as when a defensive end runs a four, five, two. Because when a wide receiver runs a four, five, two, I mean, that's, that's a good time. It's not a great time, but it's a good time. But if a, a defensive end runs a four, five, two, that is fantastic. That's an amazing time. And Raz helps to contextualize that because one of those things is going to be like a five or six. And if it's a defensive end, that's going to be like a nine something out of 10. People are able to understand zero out of 10. And then I color coded. It's got the stoplight color code scheme. Everything's green, red, yellow, green. People are able to figure that stuff out on their own. Um, but the idea was just to get something that's a little bit more fan centric. So fans can get an idea of whether this stuff is good or not. Um, it wraps everything up into a nice little bow so that you can, you can get an, an idea of how athletic a guy is in general. And if that's the only thing you want to look at, then that's fine. But if you want to get a little bit more into it, there's a lot more nuance to those numbers if you want to start digging. So, Kent, I am 6'5", about 300 pounds, and I probably run like roughly... 11.440. I was going to say like a 10, six, um, I'm not getting into the 11s. Would I have more or less than a 0.05 RIS? Well, that depends on the position you were at. You're saying six, five, so let's see, six, five. And what was the weight? Uh, I mean, if I'm, if you want an exact number, I'm probably at like 280, 288. So 290. Right, let's do, let's do 288. We'll give you those two pounds. 
Um, let's see, a 10 second 40. That's probably like a five second 20, maybe a six, six second 20. We'll do, we'll give you a benefit of the doubt and say that's a three second 10, which isn't too bad. I appreciate um, it. We got to get, we got to get one more number though. We got to get a bench, vert, broad, shuttle, or cone. So any one of those. Um, I mean, I'm sure that I can bench more than my, my body weight um, from experience. So I, I bet I could bench probably like 10 reps. Yeah, roughly. Yeah, we'll see. Right, now, most important part for your score, what's your position? What are you playing? Oh, geez. I mean, what, what's going to help me the most? We're in trouble let's, here. Let's make you a quarterback. We're, we're going to be th- throw some uh, shades. Jerry Lorenzen. When I played flag football in intramurals in college, I'm just saying I won two championships. I mean, hey, it's not too bad. That's a 2.4 out of 10, man. Them size grades. Come on. Come on. Hey. Blue stable listeners, you just heard this here first. Destin Adams scored a two point four. Actually, let's look at let's look at wide receiver and see if you beat Jarvis Landry. That's that's oh, oh. That's, that's my favorite one to do because it ain't hard. Uh, two two point three five. You beat Jarvis Landry. Let's let's go. Wow, <laughs> wow. Okay. So now, so now so now I just have to get my chart. For the for the listeners, I'm I'm not digging on Jarvis Landry. Jarvis Landry measured at the combine with a bad hamstring, which you should never do. He did, yeah. And Jarvis Landry proved why you should not do that. Uh, this is this is a multiple multiple Pro Bowler, thousand yard receiver. He had a zero point two seven on the scale because what? because his testing was so terrible. It's it's my favorite card because it it, it enca- encapsulates everything about this metric. You know, you you can't take it at face value and say, that's the only thing I'm going to look at. Because if you did that and you ignored his tape, you ignored a pretty good player. Yeah. Um, he, he wasn't a great tester. I don't think he was ever going to test that well, but he definitely wasn't that bad. <laughs> that is yeah. ridiculous, man. Jarvis Landry, and he's a, he's a talented guy. You know, he's one of those guys that's just a football player. It's not really a specific physical metric. He's a talented guy, really Rashad. Capsule. I'm just more talented, it seems. <laughs> wow. Um, I don't know Dustin's about that's never, never going to let us forget this, by the way. Thanks, Kent. I'm, tell, I'm telling you right now, if Kent wants to send me a graph, I'll post it every draft cycle. My RAS score will be a lot higher, by the way. Okay, for future reference, because we're not going to do all of our RAS on, on here, okay? Rashad, <laughs> what, what position would you play? And uh, just for Kent's metric, what, what position would you play? I would be a slot wide receiver, of course. Right. I'm 6'1. I'm about 169, about 168. You know, I probably could get in the upper 410-ish, 40-yard dash, probably a 31-inch vertical, somewhere in that range. You know, I think I'd be a pretty solid player. Possession guy, of course. Possession. Only (laughs) Only in in the slot? In the slot? Yes, yes. I'm going to be the first slot. Not a burner. Can't take the top off of anything. (laughs) So, All I want to say right now is I want to see Rashad. Did you just say you could run in the fours on a forty? Yeah, like four. I ten, so four I'm gonna nine. my brother. Four, t- four my, ten is a four one. Man. Okay, that's what I say. <laughs> my my brother, my brother is a tr- is in track in high school, sophomore in high school, and we went out to the Colts training camp and they had the little forty out. I'm pretty sure he ended up running like a five four. Really? Uh, yeah, it, it's tougher than you probably think. I was a college athlete, Dustin. I want you to know that. I played basketball. I was a college was athlete. What was that word you just said, Rashad? Was that was? Yes, it was. was. <laughs> wow. Yes. yes. I was a college athlete, Dustin. Don't you ever forget that, okay? College athlete, but you're an athlete now, Rashad. You're an athlete, you're an athlete now. 
No, I'm no, a media tell guy. them about those alligators you wrestle, man. <laughs> Come on now. No, man. Plenty of ice and Ben Gay is what I need after <laughs> any of those any of those workouts that I have to do for the Rascal. I would definitely need to be bathing in Ben Gay. This man said Ben Gay. <laughs> I can't line up on that on, on the offense, man. I'm a linebacker all the way. My 40 time would be what it is, what it was in high school, a four-five. And that that'll be that uh, guys, let, let's move on here. OK, we're having all kinds of all kinds of fun here. Uh, can't uh, there is there is a calculator up on the site that you can go enter all your metrics into. It's, it's right at the top of the screen when you go to the website and you can go enter in whatever your metrics are. I just entered in Destin's and said to him, um, you can go enter in whatever you want for your metrics. If you want to say you ran a four one, you ran a four one, man. That's on you. That's all you. <laughs> Definitely go and fill that out right now, Dustin. Damn, Definitely Rashad, you in the wrong business, then. I know, right? You <laughs> in the wrong business, then. All right, guys, let, let's move forward along here. We still got a good show ahead of you, of, of us here, guys. Colts news, or not really Colts news, but NFL news in today, guys. The the dominoes fell. Literally, dominoes fell in the league today. Aaron Rodgers is returning to the Green Bay Packers. Don't know what the specifics are yet. Obviously, there was a lot of uh, reports out there about a four-year, $200 million deal. That was shot down. That was reported false. Uh, Aaron Rodgers himself came out and uh, confirmed that. Russell Wilson is going to the Broncos. Just make the AFC more tough. Why don't you? Just make it more tough. Uh, Anyways, guys, uh, Rashad, let me start with you here. Aaron Rodgers, of course, we all knew this was going to be the first domino that needed to fall, and it's it now it has a domino effect. Now things are happening across the league. Teams are moving on, moving forward to the next plan. So Aaron Rodgers moving on, you know, did the Colts have any kind of chance in, in that? And your thoughts on him returning? Um, I know for a fact that the uh, Colts did get in contact with Aaron Rodgers' representation, uh, you know, doing that due diligence, what you do with, Everybody that's that's on the market are available at the time, but there was no serious talks. Nothing progressed. It was pretty much between Denver. Well, him retiring was actually a real life option on the table as well, but he decided to go back to Green Bay. I think most people thought he would be back in Green Bay. It's not a shocker. Um, I don't know if anybody was surprised to say the least that this game, I, I think the biggest shock was was the deal. I expected him to, to come in at around 47, 50 mil over Mahomes, who's at 45. I thought it'd be more like a two-year 100 million or a three-year 150, but they ended up bringing him back for four years, man, and, and that's good for them. So Jordan Love won't have to be in limbo and, and questioning from year to year what, what's going to happen. I think uh, Green Bay should do right by him and, and move him to a better situation where he has a chance to actually show what he can do before his rookie contract is up. And, and we'll see how that how that plays out on that front because there's a lot of quarterback needy teams and somebody I'm willing to bet is going to take a, a late a mid to late round fly on Jordan Love and see if he can play. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think it was earth-breaking news by any means but I mean it was the first domino that needed to fall for some bigger things to happen I mean did I think that domino was going to fall so another domino could fall directly afterwards like we got today I didn't think that would be the case but Aaron Rodgers said he was going back to Green Bay um, and Denver did not take time to sulk over that decision Uh, they uh, put their foot on the pedal and went out and got Russell Wilson Um, Man, that division is scary. I'd hate to play them next year. Oh, wait, we do. Right. 
because AFC just needs more talent. Why don't you? Uh, Kent, your thoughts on Aaron Rodgers, if you would like to chime in here. Yeah, I mean, I've I'm, I'm, I'm been covering the Lions for many years, so I'm, I'm very familiar with all the NFC drama. Um, Rodgers, I, I never felt like Rodgers was really going to leave. I, th- I think as much to talk as there was between him going to Denver or staying home, I think that I think it was probably more staying home or retiring. And he was just lapping up as much of the attention as he could over the last couple of weeks. Um, but Rodgers, Rodgers' issue in, in, in Green Bay has never been that he's not talented enough or that he doesn't have enough talented guys around him. It's just that they can never get all of those pieces moving at the same speed at the same time when they need to in the playoffs. And you got to have an Aaron Rodgers to be able to do that if you're trying to build your team like that. So he's he's doing more, more for the, the Packers than they're doing for him, no matter what this contract looks like. Yeah, yeah, more more opportunity to lose to Jimmy G in the playoffs. There you go. So, guys, let's move on to Russell Wilson heading to the Broncos. The Broncos, the Broncos who suck at developing and picking, analyzing, you know, quarterbacks. They got to go trade for one now. Russell Wilson in mile high. Uh, AFC West looking very crazy. AFC in general looking crazy. I mean, KC, Chargers, Broncos, Raiders. Ravens, Bengals, Titans, you know, say what you say about the Titans. They were just the number one seed. Not even going to put us in there. Uh, you got the Patriots looking up. You got the Bills. You got, man, 2022 is a wash already. But let me start with Rashad again on Russell Wilson getting to the Broncos and what this means for the AFC. I, I just want to start by saying I like when we have company because Mike never starts with me, you know, when we don't have company. So I, I appreciate you, Kent. Um, but Russell Wilson, man, I, this one was surprising. Uh, I talked to a lot of people about Russ. I knew for a fact the coach uh, was very, very interested in Russ. Uh, me and Dustin found that out a few days ago when, when me and him discussed it. Uh, we had heard the same thing from, from multiple different people. So that's how we came uh, to the decision that it was probably some smoke there. But the Broncos didn't waste any time, man. It, it, I guess once they got the official word that they was out, with Aaron Rodgers, they went ahead and pulled the trigger. We know that the Broncos was one of the teams that had made a call in Indianapolis inquiring about Carson Wentz and checking in, I guess, to gauge the coach's price and what it would take to land him. But once you get an opportunity to land a guy like Russell Wilson, uh, you can't hesitate to pull the trigger. And let's be honest here, they had a much better package than what the coach would have been able to offer. The coach not having a first rounder this year, and hesitancy to give up uh, young players that they really like that's on rookie contracts, it, it just wasn't going to work. Uh, the Broncos have a top 10 pick, had a top 10 pick this year to offer, along with a future first, two seconds. And they had a lot of picks that they could spare. So I think the Broncos still have about five picks in the draft that's within a top fifth, top 150 still. So they, there was plenty of ammo to go around. They were going to make the, make their move regardless. They were always going to be aggressive when it came to making a trade, making a move this offseason. We know that's how they like to operate. We've seen them do a similar thing when they went all in after Peyton Manning. Uh, those guys really don't mess around, man. When Whenever they, they see something that they like, whether it's in free agency or on the trade market, they're willing to give up what it takes to get one of these guys that I think you absolutely have to have when you're trying to compete with the elites that's in the NFL right now. I mean, I think Rashad covered most of it. I, 
the thing that I'm just going to keep going back to, I don't understand why veteran quarterbacks had Denver so high on their list. I mean, I get that their targets were there. I get the defense. I get all that. But why would you want to go play in the AFC West right now? If you're Russell Wilson, you just came out of one of the best divisions in football for the last multiple years of his career. So he decides to go to yet again, now going to be one of, if not the most talented division in football. Um, I, I just don't get that mindset. Why would I want to play Mahomes, Herbert, and Carr six of my games next year? I, I, I just don't get it. I mean, when Tom Brady hit the market, he, he made sure and uh, went off to Tampa Bay where he got to play a Drew Brees on his last leg. Um, and then the other guys, <laughs> like that, that, that's who he had. Um, so I don't understand why Denver was that high on people's lists. I know it's a pretty desirable location um, from players, and I understand that he has talent there. It's just – I just feel like the AFC West is going to be very hard for a number one seed to come out of the AFC West now. I feel like that's going to be nearly impossible. Um, I th- now, is it possible that they have three teams make the playoffs out of the division? It definitely is possible. Um, but I mean, we'll see what happens. Um, the Broncos definitely got better. Don't get me wrong. I- I'm just still confused of why the Broncos are so high on everyone's list. Yeah, I don't get it either. I really don't. I, it, Denver. Very bland, very boring, but I can whoa, jump whoa, off. Whoa, I'll whoa, jump whoa, off whoa. a sled. Denver is not a boring place. Let's chill out. Jesus, right? The the most exciting thing is a thing, <laughs> right? Oh, skiing! Let me move to Denver so I can ski, guys. Okay. Uh. Anyways, name a better destination if you like to ski, though. Ah, uh, Croatia. They, got, do they even have football in Croatia? I was about no. to say. I mean, technically they do, but it's like soccer here. You never hear Can't, about it. You'll so. learn that Mike just kind of pulls things <laughs> out. Um, he doesn't need anything to back it up. He'll just say something, hope that it's confident enough that no one questions it. Entertainment purposes only, they, guys. They got, a, they got a whole league. They have the Croatian League of American Football. Mm-hmm. Wow, really? Yeah, overseas football is really not that big. Oh, should I send them my RAS score? <laughs> how much are <laughs> how much are you willing just to just see if I get any feelers? Can we go play for the the Zagreb Thunder? They are in the, they are among my possible des- destinations. <laughs> if Germany gets an NFL team, you got to go there. I just I just picked the only team name I could pronounce. <laughs> I can't pronounce any of these other ones. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Good stuff, guys. Ken joining us here uh, from RAS from, you know, Math Bomb on Twitter. Rashad McGinnis, Destin Adams already on the show here again, guys. Let's get into some quarter or draft talk, really. And I'm going to start with Kent on this one. All right. We're going to talk about, you know, the biggest thing, especially for Colts fans, because we really don't have a good quarterback right now. It's still on the roster. This quarterback class is, you know, starting to get a little bit more hype. Obviously, had a good better than thought combine coming up. What are your thoughts on this quarterback class in 2022? Yeah. And it was really pretty predictable when the combine came on that it was going to get a little bit of hype because we, we know that Malik Willis can throw, he's got a great arm. So when he went out and did the throwing drills and he was showing off that arm, that was going to get him some hype. We knew that Desmond Ritter was a fantastic athlete. Um, I actually expect him to do better than he did. And he, he did really, really well. Um, Kenny Pickett 
has always been a good athlete, but a lot of people didn't really consider him a good athlete. They, they thought of him more on that Mac Jones kind of above average, but not great level, but he proved that he was a much better athlete. So it was always going to get a little bit better. Uh, but I think what people get wrong about this quarterback class is they look at it and you hear people talk about it as a bad class. And I think that's a bit of a misnomer for, for what the class actually is because there's plenty of talent in this draft class of quarterback. The problem with this class versus other classes is there's a lot more risk in this class than there is in a lot of other ones. Um, Malik Willis has that arm. He has that athleticism. He's got all that deep passing and, and a lot of really great traits. And obviously the character is there. If you guys been, were paying attention to any of his interviews, the stuff he did at the combine, all those traits are there. So what's the issue? Well, he plays for Liberty, which is not the, the biggest program in the world. He's not playing against SEC competition. You know, he's a, a, not a, a multi-read quarterback. His offense doesn't ask him to make a whole lot of reads because he's so athletic. They're just like, make one or two, and then you get scooting, and he does that. So that, that risk comes in where you don't have this really purely polished passer that you can put out there. Kenny Pickett is a really good passer in his final year of college, but he's got tiny hands, minuscule hands. When he, if he does get drafted in the first round, he will have the smallest hands of any first-round quarterback drafted ever, tying with potentially Mike Mike Vick. I think Mike Vick had eight and a half inch hands. He, he needs to copyright baby hands. And he <laughs> needs he need he needs to make it like his brand almost and make this into a positive. He's already got a pretty good nickname. It was Kenny Two Gloves, man, which is a pretty good nickname. Granted, he's wearing the two gloves because his his hands are tiny. <laughs> They're just eight and a half hands. <laughs> But it's it's a risk thing, right? Desmond Ritter is a little bit erratic as a passer. Uh, Carson Strong comes in with some very serious knee concerns. His knee injuries are there, and he isn't as mobile. Um, but these are it's still a talented group. So it's just a manager a matter of risk management that gets this quarterback class a bad reputation. It's got plenty of talent. So Kent, you didn't even mention my quarterback one, Coral, my my boy. Yeah. So I'm just curious of your thoughts. I mean, you left him out. So I, I'm assuming you left him out because like best for last kind of thing. And you just and you just wanted like a big old build up for it. I understand. Fourth round pick. He'll he'll be there. He'll be there at 47. He sucks. No good. He's, he's my QB too. I have him behind Willis, but he's he's a really good passer. There's there's still concerns about his size. He's very small for a quarterback. Obviously, Russell Wilson proved that you don't have to be a big passer to get a lot of stuff done. Um, but it, it does show up on tape occasionally, especially when he gets on the move. It's got plenty of athleticism, fantastic arm, comes in a bit of a, a gimmicky system that, that doesn't really translate as well to the pros. Um, but again, that's, that's a risk thing. That's not a talent thing. He's got that arm. He's got the athleticism. He's got the accuracy. It's just a matter of, of what, what you can do and how quickly when you get to the NFL. Um, Matt Coral does have some of the biggest wow plays you're going to see out of the entire draft class, but he's also got some of those like wow kind of plays. You know I mean? like, yeah. Oh, so the ones we like to call the Carson Wentz plays. Oh, yeah, you just, you're just like, what was, what was that supposed to be? Like, what was, what was the win there if that actually worked? <laughs> Yeah, like pump faking an RPO and an offensive lineman being <laughs> 10 yards downfield. But, you know, not like we have any history with that or anything, you know. Jesus. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I think the thing with Coral for me is, I mean, you mentioned the arm talent that's there. I think Malik Willis um, definitely would rank higher arm talent-wise in this class, and I have Coral behind him there. But I guess what makes him go over Willis for me is just I think Coral – 
at his floor is a much better player than I think Willis is at his floor. Um, I've said this multiple times throughout this cycle. Um, I have been doing my own personal scouting. I believe this is year seven for me, personal scouting wise. And I don't know if I've, if for a first round type quarterback that I've had a lower floor than Malik Willis. Like it's just nerve wracking to me there, which is why Willis is two for me. And I have Coral at one. Yeah, we always talk about whether a quarterback can work outside of structure, right? And you've also heard people talk about whether a guy is able to work in rhythm. You know, a guy like Mac Jones gets a reputation as a rhythm passer because that's that's where he does his best and things start to break down. He doesn't do quite as well. Uh, Kirk Cousins, Jared Goff, we have other guys like that in the NFL. Uh, Malik Willis just doesn't have that because he, does, he doesn't ever work in structure. Most of the Liberty offense was designed about Malik Willis being able to do Malik Willis things. And he didn't really get much of an opportunity to play that type of offense where everything was running in rhythm. He has moments where he can do those things, but you know, just because it has wheels doesn't mean it's going to roll downhill in a straight line. You know, you, there's other things that go into that. And that's where those concerns come in is can Malik Willis work inside structure or does he have to have no structure for things to work? And that's where that Johnny Manziel risk comes in because Johnny Manziel had the same thing where he was, everything was outside of structure, and then he just couldn't work in a structure. Yeah, and Manziel, um, we actually saw him against top competition. At least he competed, you know, at the highest level in college. We still didn't get to see that consistently enough from Malik Wood, Willis. When I went to the Super Bowl, a uh, Super Bowl, Senior Bowl, when I went down we to- We get um, it. You went to the Super Bowl. I did Rashad. go to the Super Bowl, too, as well. Yeah, correct. But when I went down to Mobile for the Senior Bowl, and I got to see him for the first time in person. Malik, the ball literally explodes out of his hand. He, he has a cannon. And it's literally one of those things you watch it and it looks different. Seeing him throw with the other five guys that was at the Senior Bowl, it was a difference between when he let the ball go. He literally rips it. It cuts through the air. But once the 11-on-11 started and chaos was around him, you can see he just didn't respond. He just didn't look comfortable, as comfortable as a guy like uh, Kenny Pickett, who's my uh, QB1 in this draft. I just feel like he has the highest floor. He's the most likely to come in and be able to play right away. And no, he may, he, I don't think he ever will be a top 10 quarterback, a top 12, maybe even 15 in the NFL. But I think he can be a consistent pro, a guy that that that's in the, I think his ceiling may be uh, close to a Derek Carr type of guy if he hits his ceiling. But I think he'll hover around an average starter as, as a quarterback in the NFL. But I think he is pretty much ready to compete right now. He's seen it all. Uh, he was able to put it all together for his this last year. The hand size does bother me, especially when you have guys that's going to be flying around. You're swinging at that football. And you're going to have to constantly move in the pocket it's going to be hard for him to protect the football, but you know, if, if he puts a little bit of stick him on those gloves and, and maybe he can maneuver and, and he'll figure it out, man, I think he'll be okay. But I definitely think Malik Willis has the highest ceiling and a guy that actually has superstar potential. If it's a big, if he goes to the right system and, and goes to the right coaching staff, that's going to actually put the time in and develop this kid because he's not ready to play right now as we speak. And I know people hate to use like past evals to evaluate current players, but I mean, if Josh Allen doesn't have his year two jump, does Malik Willis go in round one right now? 
Because I, I don't think he does. I mean, you, you're able to see what Josh Allen was able to do, and he had that same level of just being able, when the ball goes out of his hands, like your jaw dropped um, watching Josh mm-hmm. Allen that draft cycle. Um, but then, like, this, the thoughts came in, like, he's at Wyoming. He's playing – his big game of the year was against Boise State. Um, like, like, those type of things come into your head. And it's like, is Willis – similar to a Josh Allen now. And I, I really do feel like that if Josh Allen doesn't have the success he has had in the NFL, that Malik Willis is probably someone that is being pushed down boards because the risk is too much. But I think there are, there are enough pros that I think Malik Willis will end up being the first quarterback off the board. Um, doesn't mean that I would do that, obviously, um, but that's how the NFL works. So, Dustin, this is dating back to last week's show with Zach. You talked about floors and how you've never seen one lower than Malik Willis. Does that mean Brock Purdy has a higher floor? Well, I've definitely made sure to throw in the first round, the the first round <laughs> Val into my talk here, um, because as we we knew last year, um, Sam Ellinger was my least favorite quarterback eval that I've done in a very long time, and then the Colts uh-huh. just had to make my day and uh, draft him. Uh, but so obviously there are lower floors that I've evaluated, just not of guys that are going to end up going in the first round. There we go. All right, guys. Let's have to not mention Brock Purdy again, okay? It's two weeks <laughs> in a row, Mike, and that's, that's our quota for the offseason. Bro, we have, Sam, we have Sam Ellinger on our roster. Don't tell me I can't mention someone on this show, man. Come on. A draft it's been, it's card black, was turned It's been blacklisted. The, the name <laughs> a, Brock a Purdy is card, blacklisted. A draft card was turned in last draft for Sam Ellinger, okay? Uh, let's get into the biggest shockers. And, you know, biggest letdowns of this combine, okay? So, uh, Ken, I'm going to start with you. For the biggest shocker, I, I, I'm i not sure if we're all going to have the same one. I don't know. But biggest shocker from this combine in Indy. Where are we going? So I'm going to cheat and immediately break a rule before I do that, just because I, I know Destin will appreciate it. But Brock Purdy had one of the lowest grad scores for the quarterbacks of the combine. He had a, a 4.27 <laughs> unofficial. So just – just so you're aware. It's okay. We're not past this show. We're not past the show yet. So the quota technically can still be spoken about this show. And yeah, so we're talking about guys that were shockers, right? And there, there was really two negatives that came out of the first day of the combine for the wide receiver group, which was uh, David Bell. And yeah, David Bell came in and people had questions about his athleticism and he did not test well at all uh in any category actually that he just didn't test well in any category people were immediately scrambling for the who tested poorly is is he anquan bolden is he wes welker which bad testing guy can we start comparing david bell to um and i don't i don't know where that answer is i think he got hurt the most from the combine especially with how fast everybody else ran on that track um the other one was traylon burks uh, Traylon Burks's number one uh, player comp when we finished the combine was uh, JJ Arcega Whiteside, which is just not where you want to be in comps when you're when you're billed as this great athletic freak who's who's getting all this hype. And that's not his that's not his fault. That's the fault of people that are evaluating him uh, when he's getting billed as this this freak athlete, and then he comes out and he's testing he's testing the same as like the wide receiver four on the Eagles. You know, it's it's probably not not great for a guy that wants to get pushed up high in the first round. Um, and I don't know if you saw earlier, but that the Vegas odds for where he was getting drafted dropped dramatically 
Um, I think he was plus 300, dropped to plus 600 for being the number one wide receiver off the board. It's not great, not a great showing. So I think both of those guys got hit pretty hard from the combine. So, I mean, about David Bell, I genuinely am confused by how people thought – he still tested worse than I thought he would, but I don't know how people watched his tape and thought he was going to be a big combine winner. Yeah. Um, personally, like I, like when you watch mm-hmm. his tape, it just looks like a guy, I think he's very intelligent. I think you can see it on tape. He's a very intelligent route runner. He's a very intelligent football player. Great kid. But I just didn't understand why people thought he could be someone that lit up a combine. It's just not something that was going to be for him personally. Yeah. And I wouldn't have taken him in round two anyway. So maybe this just helps my, uh, already case against him going in round two. Um, but Traylon Burks was going to be mine as well, because I had him at receiver two before the combine. Um, just because I saw just so much explosion, so much things that I could see him being on tape. The combine showed a lot. I got to see him in person, um, being in the combine, being in the stands that day. And I, uh, I, I'm, I'm a little concerned um, about him in the slightest there now. Um, definitely not going to end up as receiver two if I had to guess. I'm hoping that his pro day comes and he's able to show some things that aren't, uh, you know, the normal pro day rigging um, that can happen here and there at pro days. Um, but I think Burks surprised me more than any other person that day just because I really was expecting just a guy just to light it up. Um, and obviously that is not what happened now on the other spectrum of a guy who surprised me in a good way. And I was pretty high on Jelani woods already. Um, just cause I saw a lot of the traits on tape. Um, but man, he was moving out there in every drill. The 40 obviously showed up, but woods, man, just looked like an athlete. Um, he's going to have to get a lot of polishing and coaching at the next level before he's going to be able to be some amazing playmaker, but he has the uncoachables just already there. He's going to be a freak of nature wherever he goes. It's just, are they going to be able to coach that to the ability to keep him on the field? Yeah. Arkansas has a fast track. So Burks, Burks has a good shot at running a lot better at his school. Um, Jelani Woods had a 9.96 RAS coming out of the combine. That 4.61 at 6.7 is just crazy height to speed ratio right there. Rashad, where are we going? Oh, man. Y'all took some of the good ones. I had Traylon Traylon Burks and uh, David Bell. Um, As far as somebody that, I don't want to say they dropped, they just didn't impress me as much as I thought they would. I'm going to go with Devin Lloyd, the linebacker out of Utah. Um, he didn't look as fast as I thought he would. On tape, he, he's a maniac to me, in my, in my opinion, sideline to sideline type speed. You know, he, he shows great instinct, real physical. But um, the testing, uh, the speed aspect, the 40 yard dash, I believe he ran, what, a 466? 466, yeah. Yeah, 466. Um, he just didn't look as fluid in his ladder in his lateral movements uh start stop ability it just it just wasn't there for me and, and and that was real shocking because i thought he was going to be one of the guys that really hit it out of the park but that that just didn't seem to happen as far as a guy that really killed it to me uh and this was a guy i saw at the senior bowl as well and i was really intrigued because um i, I didn't start I didn't start digging into this guy until I seen he was announced on the senior bowl roster. So I decided to go kind of do some homework before I, I make it out there to Mobile. And it's Tyreek Woolen from UTSA. 
um, familiar with UTSA because my brother, my brother coached there before he went on to coach the Chargers, then to Rams. Uh, he spent one year as a defensive coordinator for UTSA. So I'm familiar with, with a lot of those guys that's over there. But this guy can flat out fly, man. He is an athlete in every sense of the word. Um, I believe his RAS score was a 10 or 9.9. 10 right now. He currently has the highest RAS for a cornerback ever. Yeah, like, I mean, it, you know, what, what more do you have to say? The guy the guy was flying. I believe he ran a 4-2-6-40-yard 40, dash. I, I thought that was an unofficial time. I had to keep refreshing to see if that was the official time, and it was. Uh, he just looked fast. At the Senior Bowl, he was clocked in at 22 miles an hour, so I knew he was going to come to – the combine and put on a great show of great size, great length. Uh, the guy has ball skills. If you watch him on tape, uh, he's a competitor, man. And, and I think he did a lot to improve his stock going into the draft. And there's not a lot of six foot four cornerbacks out there. <laughs> That's ridiculous, man. He just slightly beat my RAS. Just slightly. Yeah. Just like, <laughs> yeah. Real he quick. I am a color. By less than 10. Single digits. Ah, real quick before we get into winners and losers from from this combine, I gotta ask each of you uh, because it was a topic that could not stop being talked about. So, Kent, I'm gonna start with you. Should the combine stay in Indy? I believe so. I think that it's not just a tradition thing. For for me, everything's about standardization. One of the things that they've always tried to do is keep all of these tests as standardized as possible. And we saw why, because this year we had a lot of really bad times coming in. The, the times kept on having to get adjusted. They were adjusting them during the day. Um, it was The first day was an absolute nightmare. But that kind of stuff is just not acceptable when you're trying to test guys for a standardized system like we have for the combine and the pro day circuit. You know, this is the, the combine's 38th year and they're trying to move it in year 39. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense. And if the NFL is trying to do to do it to make the combine as an event more marketable, they crap the bed this year on making this more marketable. This was a pretty poor combine the way that they put it on. If they think that moving it somewhere else is going to do it, they're putting an emphasis on the wrong things. They need to fix when they're doing the drills. We had two whole position groups, the defensive back or the cornerbacks and the running backs just skip agility drills because they had them doing them after the drills, uh, the on-field drills. Who's going to do that when you're just running around on the field a few minutes ago? Um, it's, it's just really poorly put on and they need to fix that stuff before they even try to consider moving out of Indy. And so what I, I, I'll share next because you guys like to call me a homer um, because I'm the lone Indiana native here on the podcast. Uh, and honestly, I mean, this is the first year that they've allowed fans in. So it's not like I've benefited from it being in Indianapolis. Want to want to make that known. But I think the biggest thing here is, I mean, Kent just kind of spoke about how long it's been here and there's still things they're improving. The, the thing is, the medicals that they've gotten through the, at the combine, they've almost expertized it to the point where they know where they're going to be. And if adding more moving parts to the, this, such a complex moving machine, like the combine to me, just doesn't make sense. Now we all know the reason um, that's going to go down and why they're probably going to end up moving from Indy. Um, the NFL wants to monetize anything and everything they can. They want to make these cities pay more instead of Indianapolis having this set fee that they've basically been able to have. Um, now I feel like, it was a really good week for 
the keep it in indie motion because every coach that came on NFL network, every person that I bumped into in downtown Indianapolis, I had about, I was, I got to be with Peter King, Adam Schefter, Stephen Holder from Indianapolis in a downtown bar. I was down with there with them for like two hours and we were just having a great conversation about why it needs to stay at Indy. Um, coaches kept sharing that reason. Um, there were people, coaches saying they don't even know if they'll send their teams to watch the combine in person. If it goes to LA or if it goes to Dallas, Dallas. Um, and that's not from me. And that's not from this biased Indianapolis native that you're going to hear Rashad and Michael call me when they get to share here in a second. That's coming from NFL coaches, NFL GMs, NFL personnel that are saying, do not want it moved. That's not going to matter at the end of the day. It's all going to come down to money. If I had to guess, it's going to end up going to Dallas or LA if I had to guess. But should it? It should. It really shouldn't. I think they're just kind of putting a little bit of selfishness into it. Um, but it is what it is. Um, the draft was at one location for a long time and they ended up moving it. So it's the NFL people. So I guess, I, I guess I'll bring this here. Uh, I've never been to Indianapolis. I've never been to the combine. I've never been credentialed as media to go to the combine. So I don't see all the, all behind the scenes stuff and all that. So I can't really talk about why or how it operates there. Uh, I do trust everybody that comes out and says the, the hosts are great. I mean, we all know by now how great of a sports host city it is. They just hosted the national championship game for college football. They hosted the final four last year, the entire tournament because of I was going to say, yeah, the entire tournament they hosted there because of the COVID restrictions and everything. Not with, wanting with less than a month to prepare. Yes. With less than a month to prepare. I'll brag yes. about Indy anytime yes, you guys want to give it a chance. Absolutely. Hey, I want to give it its credit. It's hosted the Super Bowl, all that good stuff. Um, when it comes to you know, are, are they being selfish for moving it? I mean, it's been in the same place for 37 years. I mean, we can't really say it won't benefit from being anywhere else when it's only been in one place. Now, when we think about the combine, is are we trying to make it a fan event? Or are we trying to make it a real football for college kids interview? Now, from that point of view, we're trying to make it full-on professional business. Have kids here, test. They're here about business. Okay, I can see it from that point of view, but again, Dallas, a sports city, that they're one of the greatest sports cities out there. L.A., maybe not L.A. I just see too much traffic going on in L.A., uh, but even, let, let's just say Dallas, Jerry Jones, who has more of a pull on Roger Goodell and the NFL than Jerry Jones? That stadium, that area of Arlington, you got the new Rangers ballpark, a gigantic sports bar that was just built around the corner from the stadium. You got hotels, you got access. I mean, it, it's all, it looks beautiful, a good setup. I'm not going to crap on Indianapolis. I'm not going to crap on a city or an event that I've never been to, but I will say, why not try other cities for the draft? It's a little bit different because it's the draft. I love the fact that they changed it from one city because you're going into different cities. You're going into different fan bases and you're getting to interact with the fans more. It's, it's a fan event. They're creating it as a fan event. I love that. I would like to see they, them try it with, with the combine too. I mean, what, what is the worst that can happen? I see more pros than cons, or maybe if I'm just not all the way educated about the combine, which that is a real possibility. I'm not, truly into it like Kent like Destin like Rashad is so if I'm sounding ignorant I apologize but I, I'm just in the in, in the realm of why not try it 
Do you want? Do you really want hundreds of screaming nerds like me with weird hats and mustaches cheering on NFL football players? Is that what you really want? I mean, these college kids have kind of been in the craziest environments in college. So is it any different? I mean, I was there this year as a fan for the first fan experience. You right. weren't even able to cheer during events. Are you serious? Um, I mean, no, you no, And it makes sense because they're all attempting to like have these certain times and stuff that affect their draft stock. It, I, I enjoyed being there. It doesn't make sense to me to be a fan of it personally. I actually want to disagree a little bit because I, I think the problem is that the NFL is going about this the wrong way. I think that you could turn this into a fan event if you changed the events a little bit, if you made them a little bit more exciting. Everybody loves the 40-yard dash because it's fun. Guys are trying to run really, really fast. The vertical jump is just not exciting. The broad jump is just not exciting. The, the agility drills are only exciting if you know what the heck they're doing them for. But the NFL does a really bad job of marketing these things and trying to make fans interested in a way that's meaningful. Um, one of the things that I really liked about the Detroit Lions over the last couple of years is that they've increased their ability, their, their fan experience at their, at their um, training camps. You know, training camp was always just, hey, if you're a fan and you want to go show up at training camp, you can. There's no stands. You, you can stand around the edge of a fence and you can watch them from halfway across the field. And that's pretty much the best you're going to get. Well, over the last seven or eight years, they really started changing things and they made it so that you can get a little bit closer. They added more fan amenities. They added better food. And I went to Gen Con this year down in Indy. Indy can get food when they want to. They've got a good food scene when they really want to. You can do those types of things to increase the fan experience. It doesn't just have to be about the on-field product. And the NFL is not even trying to, to, to make anything of that. And if they want to go to a different city, that is a perfect way to market other cities. Because you talk about Dallas. Dallas has great food. If you do something that increases the fan experience and that's the type of stuff you're doing, that's great. That's something you can push. You know what else you get from that? marketing you get people to sponsor it you can get all kinds of sponsors for that kind of stuff there are ways to do it and this crazy multi-bajillion dollar corporation is just like no we're just gonna push everything into as short of a period as we can to make these guys so exhausted they don't even want to do the drills and half of them are going to just skip out on the last couple of them and then we're going to move it to different cities that we've never had on it because our logistics are so terrible that we're just going to try a different, different, different place every year and hope that somebody gets it right. It's such a bizarre approach for them to take. I can't get on with trying it every year. No, this is, this is still trying to set something up for doctors, NFL organizations, college players. I can't get on with changing it every single year. That that can't happen. But for but that, Dallas, you're as also soon as you getting change into, it. That's what you're opening, Mike. As soon, no, as, soon as they change it, get from it to Dallas. Get it to Dallas and stick with it because not every stadium, not every city is is made for this type of event. Indianapolis is one of them. L.A., Chicago, Dallas. I think it would also be cool because you're dipping into one of the highly highest recruited areas for NFL talent when it comes to college, you can go to Duncanville high Duncanville high school. All these high schools can get to the combine and just watch and just present it to other high school uh, players. You know, maybe I, I don't know. I don't want to get into a full on thing because we still got to get to other stuff when it comes to the draft, but I'm just open to it. I mean, 
I, I get where you're coming from. You're a Texas kid, um, too, so I understand. I also want to drive two um, hours and not have to fly I, or pay $400 for and, a plane ticket. And I understand that. I guess what I'm telling you, though, is even if the thought process of going to the next place and hoping it sticks was what their mindset was, um, like I could get on board for that a little bit. But that's not what the plan is. The plan for them is going to be that every single year cities are bidding to have this event in their area um, to make it similar to what the draft has become similar to the Super Bowl, things like that. They're, they're trying to monetize it that way, which is why that consistency and that planning and having this down to a T is never going to be there anymore, in my opinion. And why we're going to have uh, yeah. some rough combine years where those prospects just get screwed. Um, and we'll have more people that have less RAS scores than Destin Adams. That just can't happen. <laughs> I, no, I that can't happen, guys. I got a resolution. Just move it to New Orleans. We have great food. It's not too far away from you, Mike. And Dustin, we have great food. So, you know, hey, there we who go. Wants, who wants to run after eating gumbo, though? <laughs> 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 Ain't nobody ever eaten a bowl of gumbo and thought to themselves, you know what I need is a track. I got to put my shorts on <laughs> right. and go running. What are they gonna do? Run on Claiborne and just run down to the Superdome from that's, from Cajuns? That's how I ran my four one forty. Jesus! Out, <laughs> All right, guys, let's get going to the uh, the winners and the losers from this combine. This will be the last segment of the show here. Once again, Kent Math Bomb on Twitter joining us here on the Blue Stable Podcast, the official cult podcast of Fan Sided. Let's get into the winners. First, okay, so Kent, I'm gonna start with you on this one. Who is one of your winners that benefited the most that made a big name for themselves, rose their stock this past week? Yeah, Jordan Davis out of Georgia came into the combine as a nose tackle, the guy that's gonna oh, he's your big, your big road grinder, he's the guy that's gonna eat up space and all that. And then he just put up one of the best combine performances of any player in the history of the combine which at 341 pounds is more insane than anything that we've ever seen. The guy is just a marvel. So now teams have to figure out, is he just a first round nose tackle or is he a top 15 interior penetrator, a guy that we can put on the inside and really disrupt the pocket. And I think that's going to be something that teams are going to have to watch really, really closely because that's a lot of athletic talent to go to waste if you don't use him right. Uh, Christian Watson out of North Dakota State had a fantastic senior bowl and his stock has just been rising and rising and rising. He came into the combine with the thought that if he did really well, that he was a potential first round pick. And then he crushed the combine in every drill that he did and in every test that he did. Christian Watson just killed the combine. Um, another guy's probably probably a little bit out of left field for you guys is Cole Strange out of Chatt- Chattanooga. Um, he's a center, plays some guard. Um but he came into this as that, that smart cerebral guy, the, the guy that's, that's maybe he's not as athletic as everybody else. I don't think there were concerns about his athletic ability, but they weren't coming into this thinking that he was going to test as off the charts as he did. Um, when you have that reputation as being that smart and cerebral player, and then you add into that, that you've also got all that athletic talent, the question just becomes, where do I get you on my offensive line? It, it, you, you got a lot of questions that you just answered. And I think that he did more for his draft stock than any other offensive lineman at the combine. Okay, yeah, so he I had some he had some wars at the senior bowl with Travis Jones, Cole Strange. I was it was good to see those two go up against each other, man. I could watch Travis Jones all day too. Man. I, <laughs> I love. I don't know if you guys know that. That one specific thing about me is I love 
athletic big men, man. Athletic big guys can cause so much havoc in, 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 in a football field. And we got two of them in this draft class. So uh, my, my, my winner is going to be a little unorthodox and it'll cover all three of my spots and some, um, I'm going to say just the Georgia defensive, um, defense in general, because, oh my God. Um, so uh, uh, oh, but is it because they, they just flat out played, um, and honestly, yeah, I want, everywhere. and I want to say winner more is like the Georgia recruiting, um, when all these guys are going to get drafted, um, day one, early day two, that's only going to help their recruiting ability. And they're in the SEC anyway, and for all this uh, being able to pay players now anyway. So George is not going to be hurt. But, I mean, you just mentioned Jordan Davis. Dude looked like a whole different kind of animal out there. In my opinion, I think he locked up going top ten. Somebody is going to need a guy just manning the interior of their defense. And like you said, going in, everyone thought he was kind of pigeonholed as a nose tackle, but he's going to be able to do just about whatever you want him to do. Um, and somebody's gonna is gonna take him in the top ten. I just believe it. But Georgia's just kind of just kept performing. I mean, Devontae Wyatt went out and played. I mean, Trayvon Walker to me was one of the most impressive. When I watched him go four five one, um, like Rashad said earlier, when you were refreshing, I was refreshing because I thought it was faster when I watched him. Um, I was like, I swear he was in the four fours because he was moving. Um, he, he shot up my board um, to get off the defensive line a little bit. I mean, safety Lewis Klein had a day. Um, he ran a sub four, four. I think it was, it ended up being like a four, three, eight, four, three, seven, somewhere in there um, at the end. Um, the Georgia defense just went out and performed. They're, they're just going to have so many day one, day two picks. Um, it was just incredible for them. Rashad, where are we going? Um, I want to go to, uh, the small, some of the smaller receivers. I'll, I'll go with a couple of guys, uh, Sky Moore, Calvin Austin, Bo Melton. Um, those guys, they performed really well, man. They all look explosive. Short area quickness is, is, is great, obviously on film. Um, those 40-yard dash, all those guys were, were 4-3, sub 4-4 four, four guys. They they put on a show, man. Uh, I, not to mention, uh, not to leave out Wendell Robinson as well. Uh, it was a bunch of guys that tested well, man. And, and, and they, they're smaller guys, so it's important that you see that explosiveness from them because they're not going to be bigger body guys. They're not going to be Drake London, David Bell, uh, Traylon Burks, bigger guys that's going to just be flat-out ball winners and, and make contested catches. So those guys need to show uh, acceleration and explosion to be able to separate at the next level, because that's what they're going to strive off. That's what they're gonna, was going to be their bread and butter. That's how they're going to make their money is through separation. And I think a lot of those guys showed the ability to, to just flat out run away from people. Um, I was really impressed with Calvin Austin, man. He He's a monster. I've been been high on Bo Melton, a guy that a lot of people don't talk about enough, but is he flat out performed at Rutgers with a terrible quarterback it didn't matter he made play after play after play and he's one of those guys where you know he passes the eye test you look at a team like that and you see him on the field you say okay that's the guy that that's the high school kid the stud the guy that's going to get the ball 30 times a game and and it's just going to go for 200 yards and and run over and run around the rest of the kids that that's the type of guy Bo Melton was at Rutgers. And I think he's going to make somebody really happy either late day two or really early day three. Yeah, I think uh, a couple of my, well, I mean, the other one is going to be Ahmad Gardner. I think there was a lot of, 
yeah. stuff on him about his athleticism, how fast he is. Turning in a 4-4 or 4-4-1, 40 time was pretty good. You know, kind of washed that little narrative away. Still performed very well. His hips, his fluidity, all that stuff still looked good in the in the drills. So really like that he kept on cementing himself as CB1 of again for anyone that needs it again, CB1. But another guy that I really didn't see the explosion from him at Baylor was Tyquan Thornton. This is a guy that, you know, I didn't see too much at Baylor. You know, he, he was their number one guy. He did it. He did everything for the Baylor bears. I didn't see this four, two, one, four, two, eight official time. I didn't see that. He should be going up draft boards. Now he is a guy that now is kind of in my uh, line of thinking, you know, where are we targeting in the third, maybe the fourth, if he's even there, depending on how everything goes, he is a winner because I did not see that speed at Baylor. And the fact that he put it on there at the combine, he's now dry. He's now rising up draft boards. And he's Baylor not a small receiver either. Yeah. Six, no, he is not. He is big and long. Baylor bought the whole track team to the combine. They just unleashed. I think, I think my favorite eval post combine was somebody put for Thornton. They put he's Deontay Johnson, but taller and can catch. And I, I literally was – I was rolling in my seat after well, if he it. If he's that, then let's take him. But, uh, I mean, just move, moving on to losers a little bit here. Um, I want to go first um, because I don't trust you guys um, to not say some of mine. Um, uh, and I am going to start – the easy one for me is Kenny, Kenny Pickett because I think the big narrative with his hands just kind of took over his entire performance – um, and I think it kind of just clouded his entire experience um, and that just kind of sucked for the kids. So I feel like putting him in the loser category is it's a little unorthodox, I guess, because I don't think his performance in the throwing drills and those things should get him there. Um, but it just felt like it was the only narrative being spoke about him. And that's not what he wanted to happen coming out of this week. The other two are going to be performance based and they both happen to be Indiana associated kids. Um, Kyron Williams out of Notre Dame was already being pigeonholed as not being a true three down back. Um, he went out and didn't um, perform well in the 40, ended up running about a four, six, five, um, which was among the worst for running backs. I think it may have been the worst. It was, it was close if it wasn't, but yeah, it was really bad. Yeah. To run a four, six, five as and already just being known as a guy who we don't know if you can be the three down back, it just kind of is going to keep pigeonholing him a little bit. Um, I was, I, I, when I watched him at Notre Dame, I definitely thought he looked faster than a four, six, five. So maybe he's a guy whose pro day will come around and we'll see that he just had an off day. Um, but it was a bad combine performance for him for sure. in his stock, um, the other one, I mean, Zach Hicks was talking about this guy last week about how he knew he was going to perform poorly at the combine. Um, and he was right. And Purdue fans are going to turn off again. Um, George Karloftis, I didn't understand how people were giving him first round hype, but there's no chance this guy's going in the first round anymore. Um, it, it was not a good combine for sure. And I just also think his tape is not good enough to overcome um, a combine performance like this. Um, I just think he's a guy who, whoever took him, they're going to put more expectation than who he is. Um, Cause I really think he's a guy that talent wise should probably be going in like in the third or fourth round. He's probably going to end up going in the second though. Kent? Yeah, Carl Loftus has a lot of explosion, but he really needed to do well in the 40-yard dash, or at least do okay in the 40-yard dash and the three-cone, and he skipped both of those drills. 
Um, and for some people, that's just going to be like, well, we know why he skipped those drills because we know that he wasn't going to test well. And frankly, that's not a dumb thing to do to skip those things. But he really had an opportunity to put some, some of those some of those concerns to bed, and he didn't take that opportunity while other players did and did much better. So that ain't great. You already mentioned Kyron Williams. He's probably the the biggest the biggest. Um, I don't really like using the term loser. <laughs> that feels like you're insulting the guys. Um, but he, his he, stock he, fell. His stock fell. Yeah, he he didn't didn't win a whole lot from this. But um, one guy that I don't I don't see mentioned a whole lot is Darian Kennard out of Kentucky. Um, he's not a guy that came in with expectations that he was going to test off the charts. You know, he's not a, some ridiculous Uber athlete or anything like that. He's, he's a big armed tackle, uh, but he didn't test well in anything really. He, he just came in and showed that, well, he's, he's still really big and has really good arms or, or arms. He has 35 inch arms, but there's nothing really else to him. And the only really narrative that I got from Darian Kennard coming out of the combine is, well, maybe he'll play guard. And when you want to make it as a tackle in the NFL, if the best thing you get from the combine is, I think he might be a good guard. That's not a win. That's, that's, that's taking what you can get. That's not a win. Um, so I think he probably came out of it pretty harsh from all the offensive linemen. Yeah. There's position flexibility. And then there's, can he play any of these? Um, they're different. People like to put them in the same conversation at times, but it, it, it's a different narrative to get attached to. Um, yeah, one my well, my biggest I don't want to say loser now. Kit Kit made me feel like an awful. Wow. Human. So I so I went first and called everybody losers. Now everyone wants to get nice. It's, it's all about positivity, man. That's it's okay. That's, Just say that's any the Purdue real players. reason. That's the real reason for the mustache. People will compliment me on the mustache, and then I get to compliment them on stuff. We're keeping the cycle of positivity going. <laughs> I, I, but but it's okay. You can you can say whatever you want about Purdue players. They turned it off as soon as we talked poor about Bell early on, and now I said something about Karloftis. So the little bit of them that were here are gone now. I'm still getting backlash from um, Russell Wilson getting traded to Denver. I don't know what that has to do with me, but I'm currently being cursed out of my mentions. So I'm going to play nice. Um, but my biggest stock faller is, well, not biggest, but a guy who who didn't help himself to me was uh, Daniel Fulele. Um He really, to be such a massive guy, I mean, huge guy, absolutely mountain of a guy. Huge. But, for him to only put up uh, 24 reps on the bench, that was a bit discouraging. Um, it was it was among the bottom five where he ranked. At, and to me, he's way too big of a guy. That has to be concerning to some teams. And I know that's not the end-all, be-all, how many uh, reps you put up on a bench at a 225 or whatever. But it still has to be a red flag. And, and I don't know if it may cause him to fall out of the first round into early second round, maybe mid-second round. But I, I definitely think that he he popped up on some radars, let's say that. And, and another guy that I wanted to mention um, was Jake Ferguson. Um, looked good at the senior bowl, showed flashes that he can be a guy that 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 can be that can block really, really well and get out and move, but the speed was not there. A four eight. 48140 or dash, I believe. Uh, he just didn't look quick, didn't look explosive. A 31 inch vertical up. I just can't. I think he's limited to a blocking, a blocking tight end. He's going to be a blocker at the next level, maybe a Jack Doyle type of guy. Uh, uh, we didn't speak on that either. We didn't even say anything about Jack Doyle retiring. We forgot to mention that. 
man, Jack, you rule. I apologize for that. Um, I think the thing about Ferguson that hurt him more too, even is that the tight end class in general just tested so well yeah. um, that like he, his stock almost fell just because everyone else's rose. It felt like, and right. um, like, like you said, to have that, liability there when there are guys that did test well that are also very good blockers still as options um it, it's definitely going to hurt his case a little bit um in this tight end class because it, it's going to be a fun one because i feel like we're, we're going to get multiple starters out of this class I'm gonna, multiple I'm gonna starters jump, i'm going to jump back in because you guys are you guys are great you came up with all these these great players that have have interesting storylines about them i got i gotta jump back in on a couple of these um, Jake Ferguson, one of the things that, that really uh, that really goes into it, too, is he came into the, the combine with this reputation of being a pretty mediocre athlete, which can be a death sentence for a tight end. I mean, like, like you said, that's that's just a blocker at that point. And mm-hmm. as far as the NFL is concerned, if you're not a dynamic athlete at tight end, you're the guy blocking for the much better athlete. Um, that was his reputation coming in. And he proved that when he left the combine. Um, you mentioned uh, both Carl Aftis. For, for Destin and then Rashad, you mentioned um, Falele. And what's interesting about both of those guys and when it comes to the bench press is arm length. The thing about arm length and the bench press is that it's, it's just basic physics when it comes to how much more difficult the bench press is for guys with longer arms versus guys with shorter arms. And both of these guys came into the, uh, the combine as reputations of being really strong guys for different reasons. Falele is more with size and Carl Aftis I build as one of the strongest pound for pound guys in the, in the, this draft class, but Carl Aftis has short arms for a pass rusher. He only has 32 and five eighths inch arms, which is short. We and like to call him T-Rex. And he only put up 21 reps, short arm guys that put up low reps is not good. The bench press is not the most exciting drill. And it's one of the least correlated to success in the NFL. It doesn't even really display strength that well, which there's a lot of other drills that do, but if you're a guy that's billed as being super, super strong and you've got short arms, so there's no excuse for not putting up a lot of reps, that's bad. That's not a good sign that the, because now people are going to have that question. Why? Why is it, is it weight room discipline? Or are you just not the kind of guy that goes into the weight room? There's some coaches that will just be done with you at that point because that's what they want is those guys with that weight room discipline. Falele's got a little bit more leeway because he's got really long arms because he's such a massive human being. Um, I talk about every year about how large offensive linemen are because I'll get guys that come in with it. They're like six, five, three, ten, and their score will be in the red for size. And people are like, well, why is that bad? And it's like, it's not bad. It's just small for an offensive lineman. These are gigantic people. Just these are the biggest people you'll ever run into. But for an offensive lineman, that's small. And Falele is huge for an offensive lineman, the largest position group in the NFL. And he's huge for it and those really long arms. But if your billing is for strength, you do want to see more than that. And putting up just an average number of reps, that comes into it too, because maybe he just got done was like, okay, I hit my number and I'm done. And that's where that question for weight room discipline comes in again. I'm not saying that's what he did, but that's what coaches might look at is, is why couldn't you do more? You're this big, strong guy. Why couldn't you get more? And then they start digging into those whys. So you guys just had me excited to talk about more guys, so I had to jump back in for those ones. <laughs> yeah, everybody giving away. three guys and everything. We thought we were just giving one, but I'll just stick with uh, one. I'm going to go Jermaine Waller, cornerback from uh, Virginia Tech. I, the, the 40, I believe, what did he run, like a 4-6? 
four six two or something like that. Uh, not fast at all. All his counterparts ran high four threes, high four fours, and he was down in the four six. A guy that I thought could be a day two pick, not really looking like that uh, anymore. So definitely a loser. From I, I I won't let you uh be alone in in this, Destin. Uh, a loser from this past <laughs> week from uh from the I'm combine. never I'm never afraid that Mike's gonna be too nice, right? <laughs> Y'all seen me nice before? Don't lie. Y'all seen me nice? No, that was the four four six eight that he ran, which is just, four six. Uh, that's not good at all. That's not good at all. No, nah. He'll be he'll he'll get burned by Destin. I don't know, four, Whoa. six, eight at cornerback. That could still be a second round pick if Matt Patricia's somewhere making. Uh, <laughs> he's, he's back in New England, right? He's back in New England as a special assistant. I don't know if he gets any say. Um, Bill, Bill, Bill might put him in the corner and just tell him he can sit there with his little hat on and a whistle, but he's there. Bob, Bob Quinn and Matt Patricia, was the, the Lions general manager and former head coach. Um, those guys loved guys that were just slow as, as all get out in that second round. That was, that was like guys that they, it's like they targeted it. They were like, if you run faster than anybody at your position group, we ain't picking you. You got to be the <laughs> I bet the Raiders would. Oh, Jesus. No, nah, wait, wait, what did, what did Trayvon Mullen run? He didn't run that well, did he? Did he? Can't, I don't know. I think. I don't think I remember him coming out of high school. I mean, he was one of the more sought after five star corners in the country, but I can't, I don't yeah. think he timed four, four, six, four, four, six. Not too bad. That'll play. That'll play. His splits weren't the greatest, but his, his 40 was all right. Right. Okay. All right. Well, uh, guys, before we get out of here, it is a huge week in sports basically. And of course, of course, shout out Jack Doyle. Announced his retirement yesterday. He will be gone. Uh, 84 got to do what a lot, a lot of, a lot of people that don't get to do play for the team. You grew up cheering for he'll stay in Indianapolis. Uh, any tributes to Jackie Jack? Um, there will never be another guy you watch on Sundays that catches the ball and starts falling down forward immediately as well as the Jack Doyle. Um, It was a form that I never understood, but it always led to first downs. Um, I will never not be thankful for all the first downs on third downs that he brought us. And I mean, everyone said it old, reliable Jack Doyle. People may have complained about him not being the fastest, not being the biggest, um, but he was always there when the Colts needed him. And like you said, hometown kid went to cathedral high school in Indiana. His family is from Indiana. He's going to be in Indiana post just him and his wife just had a kid even um, super cool story. Not many people get to do it. Like you said, so super um, happy for Jack that he was able to do that and be a Colt here um, and just be able to retire on his own. Uh, Jack Doyle, longest tenured coat that we had, him and T.Y. Um, nothing but respect for you, man. You, you was a model, model teammate. You came in, you worked your ass off uh, week in and week out. And there wasn't a third and five in the world that I didn't have confidence that you would convert for this team, man. Uh, thank you for everything. Uh, thank you for all that you gave. You competed your ass off. And if we get a, a replacement that's half as dedicated as you, then, then that's a, that would be a big reward for us. 
All right. Yeah, we got to get Jack uh, connected with Ken. He's got the beard going, but he we, we need to get Ken to teach him how to get that mustache going. Jack beard with Kent mustache. Ooh, there that's you go. Saucy. That's a saucy combination. He's elite. We'll have we'll have to make an RIS <laughs> just for facial hair. That's there you go. Then oh, that'll, be, be, that'll be the 10. I'm a Zion McCullum type tester when it comes to facial hair i have to be a 9.8 or somewhere in that range man. yeah right you don't even comb that do you no why, why would i comb it mm, see oh the effort the effort is what stands out there you go no there. dedication no drive <laughs> anyways no guys drive. anyways guys uh for all you basketball fans out there best of luck to the purdue the indiana fans out there that are you know hoping for a miracle in the tournaments uh Whatever the case may be, March Madness is getting going. TCU is going back to the tourney, baby, making that Final Four run this year. Time to cut down the nest. We're bringing a pair of scissors with us. Shout out to Fansided. We are the official Colts podcast of Fansided, guys. Shout out to Kent. All right. Uh, where can we find you on Twitter? Yeah, I'm always on Twitter. You can find me there at MathBomb. Uh, you can also check out my website at ras.football. Uh, try to make it nice and easy for everybody. Um, and if you're feeling like a little froggy and you want to try out your general manager hands, you can head over to profootballnetwork.com slash mock draft and try out the mock draft simulator. I run that as well. So um, got a little bit of everything for everybody this offseason. There we go. Sherlock Kent, Kent Lee Platty, everybody. Thank you for joining the show, man. Giving us your insight, your knowledge. Uh, very appreciative of it, man. Can't wait to have you on again actually uh give us some more of the knowledge i know i need it in the draft department so uh guys he is kent he is rashad he is Destin. i am michael thank you for this episode again next week it's gonna be crazy free agency's getting going we might have we might have something going on one week one week it's getting crazy it's getting lit we'll see you next week damn it michael oh what's up what's up what's up before we go everybody what's up oh yeah i just wanted to say uh shout out to jermaine johnson Uh, i had a chance to speak with him uh, hopefully we could get him on the show. But I did talk to him for a while. I talked to him at the Senior Bowls actually when I first met him. And I recently talked to him again. Uh, I know his agent personally, real good friend of mine. And and he just confirmed everything I wanted to see out of him at the Combine. He's my favorite edge guy. He's my edge four currently behind Trayvon Walker, uh, Kayvon Thibodeau, and Aiden Hutchinson. But I love his game, man. He He's dynamic. He's a developing pass rusher, but he's already probably the best run defending edge edge setting guy in the combine. I mean, in the draft period. So that's all I wanted to say, man. Shout out to you, Jermaine. Right. Hollywood Rashad. More Hollywood Rashad. Right. He's, he's camping in the guest house of your new mansion in New Orleans. We get it. We get it, Rashad. OK. All right. All right. Anyways, guys, once again, thank you again to Kent joining the show, guys. We'll see you next week. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. 
And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.